Welcome. Welcome. So I chose the giraffe and Sarah chose the baby tortoise. And we both like chose poems that we thought about fit our personality pretty well. And I'm going to talk about the giraffe and she's going to talk about the baby tortoise. And then we're going to come back together and compare and contrast both of these poems. So yeah. Before each of us begin our analysis, we will be reading the poem that we will be discussing. Because we feel it's important for you to be familiar with what we are discussing. Now... Bailey's going to do an analysis of the giraffe. Take it away, Bailey. I'm back. Bailey Williamson. And I will be doing my interpretation and analysis on the poem, The Giraffe, by Ronald Lee Perry, written in January in 1956. First, I will begin by reading the poem. So this is The Giraffe by Ronald Lee Perry. His rage grace as fabulous still height can only be interpreted throat curving to heaven and cannot speak design built design the wilderness of other beasts is his but as he cannot speak he is all a long voice to heaven wearing his rage as height the line is articulate something. That one's for you, Sarah. Elephant or ape. He cannot speak in consequence. It is wild exceeding intervals. Shape is design. His design. Earth and sunlight make a various and still sea extend him on the world to browse intervals and images of his grace as height and that was the giraffe by ronald lee perry so now we're going to go through and kind of explain my interpretation on the giraffe so we're going to take it section by section line by line and break it down word by word so we're going to start with the first line. It says, His rage or grace as fabulous still high. Okay. So, I felt this poem related to me. Just, I thought the poem as a whole, it reminded me a lot of myself. And the first line, boom, right off the beginning, right off the bat, I saw a lot of me in it. For me personally, I can either be in a really good mood and a happy rainbow and sunshine mood or a really bad mood. And I'm usually more that race, that sunshine and rainbow kind of girl. But sometimes I get in bad moods. And I feel like my anger builds up for those bad moods. Um, but when I'm in bad moods, it's not good. 
He's not pretty. But that's kind of the same way for the giraffe. But both, he's still fabulous. And his right in is Grace. Grace, to define it, is a simple elegance or refinement of movement. And honestly, I wouldn't describe myself as Grace because I'm very clumsy. But Grace is kind of like a good thing. I feel like I have good aspects, good personality traits sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. You know, I'm human. Okay, so now to the next line. Or the next part of this line. The height. <laughs> um, there's not much I should have to say about this one. If you've ever seen me in person, you should realize that I'm really tall. I'm a lot taller than the average person. And that's why I actually ended up picking this poem. Because I saw a giraffe. And when I think of myself, I think of a baby giraffe. That's it. Then, honestly. One, because I'm tall. Two, because I'm clumsy. So I thought of a baby giraffe. So that's why this poem stuck out to me. So if you've ever seen me, I shouldn't have to explain that much about my height. I'm a female female girl at the age of 17 that's almost six foot tall. You round me up six foot tall. So, yeah. That's good, even though a lot of people don't believe I'm not six foot tall. I am five, eleven and a half, if you measure me. So, for all those people that don't believe me out there, five, eleven and a half. The next part of the poem can only be interpreted the right curving to heaven and cannot speak. Okay, so the main part I want to talk about in this part of the poem is the throat curved to heaven and cannot speak. So we're going to break that line in half. So it says throat curving to heaven. So this makes you think of like how a giraffe. It has the really tall neck. It kind of has a baby head for size, to be honest. Really skinny neck and a tall head. It makes me think about how like the giraffe's so tall when he looks up, he's, like, to him, he's so much taller than everything else, so he's like, oh, I'm closer to heaven. And, um, then is where, okay, so you're looking up to, you're so high up there that he feels like he's almost in heaven, and when he realizes the beauty of heaven, he's speechless, like, when he realizes that God's so amazing, he's speechless. And I can relate to that personally in my own life. Like, a lot of times you sit down and look at the blessings that God's given you, you can, it'll leave you speechless, literally. If you stop and realize how blessed you are, and it doesn't matter what situation you're in, you're somewhere or another blessed. And um, I feel like a lot of times we lose as I'm a Christian, and I believe, personally, like, a lot of times we lose that spark of speechlessness throughout our lives, because we're all perfect, and that kind of leads me into the next part of it, um, so he's speechless, but also, like, the next line in this is design, built design, so, like, that goes back to what I was saying, we forget to realize where we are in our life and be thankful for where we are, and look to God, and we lose that spark for him sometimes, and it says... Um, I want to read this part I wrote out, and it says, God influences the way 
the giraffe sees the design of the world by how he designed the giraffe. The giraffe is tall and sees everything as small because he is towering over everything. So he could either feel A, closer to heaven, B, lonely to the world below him because he isn't as connected and he isn't normal as the rest, or C, he could feel dominant to the world below him. And so I go through each one of those points real quick just to expand on them more. So like, Point A was be closer to heaven. And so, like, he could feel more connected to God. He could feel like he had a closer relationship to God because he is, like, in his eyes, more with him, I guess. Um, B was lonely to the world below him because he isn't as connected. So, a giraffe, for the most part, unless they're with a group of giraffes, they're almost isolated to other animals, like in their head part of their body, like, because their necks are so long, they're going, they're so tall, unless they're with other giraffes, or they're a baby giraffe, like, they aren't as person, they aren't as normal as the other animals, and like, they don't have a closest connection, because they're so far apart, it's, there's a barrier of height between them. So, and then the next part is C, he could feel dominant and dominant to the world below him. So, it's like being on a pedestal, having so much power. A lot of times people think that, like, for example, for the stereotype of, like, a jock or something like that, you think of some big, muscular guy, and a lot of times people look at jocks to be more superior and stuff like that as, like, a normal stereotype, or, like, the more athletic people in high school look more superior in some people's opinions, which I really don't follow that normal concept of high school, but high school beliefs, but um, a lot of times people that are bigger and, like, they're up on that pedestal still in height, not only, but, like, in power, because if you think about, like, a little animal, he can just step on him, no problem, if he wanted to on purpose or not. Um, it can make them feel dominant and in control when power gets to people's heads and when power gets to people's heads, it can feel bad. It can be bad. Um, so the next part, this, this poem is broken into four sections with four lines each. And so it's 16 lines total. And so that's the end of the first paragraph, lines one through four. And so now we're going to break down to lines four through eight, um, of the poem. So it says, the wilderness of other beasts is his, but as he cannot speak, he is all a long voice to heaven, wearing his rage as height. Okay, so, you know how a minute ago I gave you the scenario A, B, or C, and I said C was dominance to the world because of his height, and that's kind of, to me, how I see this next paragraph coming out to mean. It says, the wilderness of all other beasts is his. So, like, when he sees other animals, he's like, hey, look at all these animals. You know what that means? I'm higher than them. I'm in more control. I'm bigger. I'm cooler, whatever you want to say. He looks at him, the, those other animals, as his. He thinks he controls them, and he believes that. So, but he cannot speak. He is all a long voice to heaven, 
wearing his rage is high. Okay, so back again, we're being speechless because of heaven. So, like, his voice to the to others can almost sound like a voice from heaven because how dominant he is. And then wearing his rage is height. So he uses his height when he gets mad. If that makes any sense. So for the next paragraph of the poem, um, it's talking about communication. And how communication controls dominance and superiority. So I'm going to read this real quick to you. The lion is articulate, elephant, or ape. He cannot speak. In consequence, it is wild ascending intervals. Shape is design. So it's, talk, it's comparing the giraffe to other animals. So if you think about it, most animals make different noises. Dogs barks, pigs oink, I guess that's what you say. Birds chirp. In this case, lions roar, I guess. Elephants do their little hump, their trunks and squirt water out and make noises and apes go ooh ooh ah ah. So if you think about a giraffe, they really don't make noises. Um, and I honestly didn't know this, but I did some research and found out that giraffes don't make noises what they do to communicate, and that many people think they can't communicate because they don't make a noise. They, like, do grunts at each other that they said are so low, but it's able to, it's like where giraffes can hear them even though humans can't. And so that's how they communicate, even though a lot of people believe they can't communicate. But, like... So, it was saying that in our interpretation, they can't speak. And it's, in our opinion, and maybe to other animals, it's a disadvantage to them. It's a disadvantage to not be able to communicate and not be able to just, yeah. So, um... So then it says shape is key. And if you realize in the first paragraph, if you go back and think about it, it says design built design. And then on the last line in the third paragraph, it says shape is design. So we have first design and then shape. Um, shape is design. So a lot of this to me is saying that because he has this disadvantage of not being able to communicate, appearing to the world, that he uses his shape as a superiority symbol. I'm back! Sarah Tuck. I'm going to read Baby Tortoise by D.H. Lawrence. You know what it is to be born alone, Baby Tortoise? The first day to heave your feet, little by little from the shell, not yet awake, and remain lapsed on earth, not quite alive? A tiny, fragile, half-animate being to open your beak mouth that looks as if it would never open, like some iron door. To lift the upper hawk beak from the lower base and reach your skinny neck and take your first bite at some dim bit of herbage. Alone, small insect. Tiny, bright eye. Slow one. To take your first solitary bite and move on your slow, solitary hunt. Your bright, dark little eye. Your eye of a dark, disturbed night. Under its slow lid, 
tiny baby tortoise, so indomitable. No one ever heard you complain. You draw your head forward slowly from your little wimple and set forward slow dragging on your four pin toes, rowing slowly forward. Wither away, small bird. Rather like a baby working its limbs, except that you make slow, ageless progress and the baby makes none. The touch of sun excites you, and the long ages and the lingering chill make you pause to yawn. Opening your impervious mouth, suddenly beak shaped and very wide, like some suddenly gaping pincers, soft red tongue and hard thin gums, then close the wedge of your little mountain front. Your face, baby tortoise. Do you wonder at the world as slowly as you turn your head in its wimple and look with laconic black eyes, or is sleep coming over you again? The non-life, you are so hard to wake. Are you able to wonder, or is it just your indomitable will and pride of the first life looking round and slowly pitching itself against the inertia, which has seemed invincible, the vast inanimate and the fine brilliance of your so tiny eye, challenger, nigh, tiny shell bird. What a huge, vast inanimate it is that you must row against. What an incalculable inertia. Challenger, little Ulysses, Forerunner, no bigger than my thumbnail. Juan Biagio, all animate creation on your shoulder. Set forth, little titan, under your battle shield, the ponderous preponderate inanimate universe. You're slowly moving, pioneer, you alone. How vivid your traveling seems now in the troubled sunshine. Stoic, Ulyssian atom, suddenly hasty, reckless on high toes, voiceless little bird. Resting your head half out of your wimple in the slow dignity of your eternal paws, alone with no sense of being alone, and hence six times more solitary, fulfilled of the slow passion of pitching through immemorial ages, your little round house in the midst of chaos, over the garden earth, small bird, over the edge of all things, traveler, with your tail tucked a little on one side, like a gentleman in a long-skirted coat. All life carried on your shoulder, invincible forerunner. We finally finished reading the poem. I know it was a long one. Um, but the first thing I noticed in this poem was that it, the author is describing what someone is seeing when a baby tortoise is being born. They start at the very, at the very beginning from when it's hatching up until the point in when it's walking away. So it goes through the whole birthing process of the tortoise waking up and going out to conquer the world. At the beginning it says, you know what it is to be born alone, baby tortoise. So from the very beginning, the tortoise already knows like how to be alone. It's not like he's grown up with a mother or a father. He's had nobody. From the time he was born, it was just him. So it's not like he could have a moment in his life and he's like, oh, like I feel like I feel really alone. Like he's known nothing else. And so then we get into the fact that he's like, this is a baby. So he's starting to learn his first steps. Well, he has to force the first day to heave your feet little by little from the shell. He has to force himself 
out. He knows nothing else. He's having to force himself out to even be born. Whereas human babies, either you have a doctor giving a C-section or a mom giving birth, it's not the baby doing the work. From the very beginning, this baby tortoise has to do the work for him to survive. And so then we move into the fact that the baby, the tortoise has to have something to eat. He has to have a way to eat. Well, at the beginning, right after he's born, D.H. Lawrence says to open your beak mouth. That looks as if it would never open like some iron door. And iron's like heavy metal. It's not... It's not gonna open, and so it's like it's closed, and like this turtle's so weak, he can't open it. But then, if you go move later into the poem, it shows the progress that the turtle has made when he says, Opening your impervious mouth, your mouth like that cannot be opened, you're being able to open this, and suddenly. Big shaped and very wide like some gaping pincers, soft red tongue and hard thin gums. This tortoise had, has made so much progress just through the little time he's been alive. He's having to learn all of these different things on his own. And he says that no one has ever heard you complain. Referring to the tortoise. No one's ever heard the tortoise complain. But oftentimes, we as humans complain because we're left to learn things on our own or we're left to do something on our own that we would rather not do. But this tortoise never complained. He had to learn for himself. He had to fend for himself from the very beginning, from his birth. He had to do everything on his own. There was no one sitting there holding his hand saying, hey, come on, like, you can do this. He had to do it on his own. And for me, like, I'm one who tends to learn a lot of things on my own, like, especially schoolwork. I do better, like, learning material on my own and then having someone add, like, quick tips in or help me when there's something that I don't understand. But... Some things in life are, like, easier when you have that person to help you, but this tortoise doesn't have the person to help him. He's got to do it all on his own. And as he's waking up, it's like, oh, like, oh, my gosh, like, I have, like I have to do this on my own. And it says, it then compares him to a baby, and it says, you're rather like a baby working its limbs. So he's like learning like a baby, like how to move, except that you make slow, ageless progress and a baby makes none. So this turtle's constantly making like progress, almost, like almost immediately. It says slowly, but it's almost immediately because they're learning how to walk like much, much faster than a baby would have to would be able to and so they're like initially dependent from the beginning and then the touch of sun excites you 
it wakes the turtle up and gets him alert. Like, he's, this whole time, he's, like, kind of awake and alert. And then he's, like, dozing back off. Like, he's still trying to wake up. He hasn't made, made it awake. And then it comes to a question of, well, basically, are you going to make it? Do you wonder at the world as slowly you turn your head in its wimple and look with laconic black eyes or is sleep coming over you again, the non-life? So are you going to like, like he's kind of dozing off again, like are you going to take this moment and conquer it or are you just going to give up, like, just be like, hey, like, I'm too weak, I can't do this. And it says, you're so hard to wake. Like, sometimes we're these people that are like, oh, like, you know, I might be able to do that, but it might be easier to just give up. Like, it's saying, like, this tortoise is so hard for him to get to going. But if you can get going, like, you're not going to stop. Once he gets woken up, he's going to be able to do it. And just two stanzas later, it says, The vast inanimate and the fine brilliance of your so tiny eye, Challenger. It's talking about the sluggishness and the lifelessness that's in him, but he's going to challenge himself. He's going to challenge himself and push himself to get through it. And... Then it says that um, he's a challenger, little Ulysses forerunner, no bigger than my thumbnail. Boyan Biagio, which means have a safe trip, or bon voyage, or have a good trip. So he's already leaving his birthplace immediately without having to be trained or raised like he's immediately leaving and going to take on this world now animate creation on your shoulder set forth little titan under your battle shield the ponderous preponderant inanimate universe so it's saying like he has all of these things, like all of these weight bearing things on his shoulders. He's compared to a warrior that's in control of his whole life. He has to protect himself and he's ready to go out with a battle shield, which is his shell. Um, and he has to go through and take on this weight bearing spiritless world who's so much greater than he is who has so much more power and the dominant force over him and so then it says um and you are slowly moving pioneer you along so a pioneer is one who's first or among the earliest in any field of inquiry, enterprise, or progress. So he's slowly going, but he is one of the first and, like, he's one of the fastest people to make progress. 
him by himself alone without help, he's able to make progress because he has to rely on himself. There's nobody to help him. And all of a sudden, he's suddenly hasty, reckless, on high toes. So he's suddenly fast. Like he's got like he's got this and he's doing well. One of the last things the author mentions is alone. With no sense of being alone and hence six times more solitary. So the turtle, because it's all he knows, like he doesn't realize he's being alone. He like he's alone but he doesn't realize it which makes him more alone than he actually is because he hasn't had these experiences of going out and meeting other turtles or whatever you want to say. But, like, because he doesn't realize he's alone, it just makes him that much more alone. And then it goes, continues and calls him a traveler. So he's going along, he's, like, he's doing well, and... Then it says, all life carried on your shoulder, invincible forerunner. So he has all of these weight-bearing things, all of these things against him of not knowing how to survive yet, not, like, not having any help, no protection other than his tiny little shell. And this is a tiny little thing about the size of a, maybe, probably a little bit bigger than a quarter. And it says invincible forerunner. There's nothing stopping him from pushing forward. So if this little turtle that has had no help in raising him, has no clue what he's doing, if he can go and he can push through, like, why can't we push through situations when we have help, we have experience? And so... And now we are both back. Back, 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 back. Okay, so what we're going to do is since we've both analyzed our own poems, we're going to compare and contrast the two. By the way, my poem was way funnier, may I add. Might I add? You mean your analysis? Uh, whatever. So the first thing we're going to compare and contrast is the obvious. The length. If you didn't realize, Sarah took about 12 years to read her poem. And hers was long and all thoughtful and everything. Mine was short, simple, and to the point. Actually, no. Some of those lines were kind of confusing, but you get what I'm saying. So you would think that the poem about the giraffe would be the longer poem if you're looking at how the title and its meaning reflects the style of the poem. But it's the complete opposite. The one about the baby tortoise is the long one, which you would expect to be the small one. I like pickles. Sorry for that random fact, guys. Okay, so the next thing we're going to discuss is the independence of the tortoise and the giraffe. The tortoise 
immediately is having to become independent because he's bored and there's nobody there to help him. He's just on his own to live the rest of his life, whereas the giraffe has its mom there to help raise it. I like bananas. Oh my god, Bailey. Stop. So, now I'm going to kind of tell you my opinion on this. So, when I think of, like, a giraffe, they're like a normal animal, I guess, where when you're born, you depend on someone, like humans, to, like, you don't wake 